Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Real Hawk Talk. After a slight delay, this is Brian Memhauser, Ad Hoc Blogger on Twitter. It's been a little while since I've had a chance to see everybody here. And this is an emergency pod, folks. Uh, if you haven't been following along, there is Seahawks news today uh, that just is coming out of nowhere in flurries. So there's, there's quite a bit to go over. Uh, before we get into all the fun details, let's bring in the crew. We've got my wonderfully bearded brethren here, Nathan Ernst. That is, it is a gorgeous locks you have growing uh, along your chin region. How, how you doing, dude? Good. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. I'm getting bored with it already. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's fine. I don't know. That would be at Nathan Eleven on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, I heard we, uh, I heard we sold you on the Zeus's Zeus. You did. Uh, you did. I, I'm 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 in the process. Rachel has asked me to grow out a beard, and and I've never wanted to because it gets all itchy. But that stuff actually works. I, I'm you not get the the sandalwood. No, I got vanilla rum. Oh, yeah. She says it smells like sandalwood, so I think they just call it <laughs> <laughs> whatever they want. It's all the same. Uh, she does like that though. So um, we'll see how long this lasts. Uh, the man with no facial hair, very clean cut, looking like he's ready to go to prom. Uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How are you doing, dude? I don't. I don't want to ask about this prom thing, but you look so young and and nubile. I know it's. We started to see the sun in Toronto, so I've had a beard pretty much all of COVID, and I decided to go with the clean look this morning. So I'm shaved. I shaved for the first time. I am full for a while. But I'm super jealous of Nathan's beard, so I already regret it. 
<laughs> well, it's good to have you. Uh, and finally, I'm not going to ask you about your beard, Dana, because you have none and you never will. Uh, at Dana O'Gorman, at Dana OG on Twitter, it's Dana O'Gorman, if you want her full name. How are you doing, Dana? Well, I'm fine, but sadly, I have not tried these beard things and 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 don't plan to. But I did get new lip gloss. If that makes the girls mm-hmm. feel included at all, I I don't think any of that is you know. What really flavor is it? Um, it is blackberry. I oh, I love you that you care and that you that you ask. You should you get yourself a vanilla rum. Oh, <laughs> you. I like I mean, vanilla rum, yeah, just not in a lip go. gloss. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm well. Thank you for having me. Well, you know. Folks want to know where Evan is. They want they want to know where his if he's going to jump on here and start screaming at some minute. If folks are following along, he's probably actually he could be in the chat. Uh, he he was potentially planning to tune in tonight. Uh, you never know what other hawk bloggers will show up in in the chat. Evan Evan's been taking a little time, a little respite from Twitter, a little mental health break. Uh, I think we've all done that at various levels. Uh, you know, in the past few years and especially the past year. So uh, how many times has Evan told us I'm done? Like I'm, I'm getting off, I'm deleting the app. I'm done. And then like literally the next day he's back on. Like, I think it's about once a week. (laughs) He did it. And within hours was posting in the group chat again already. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I know a lot of people are going to be sad though. I had so many people that said, Dana, make sure you ask Evan about this. Dana, make sure you remind Evan about this. So I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait another week or so for me to do that. Yeah. Evan is, is a, uh, he's a whole mood. He, he definitely is. uh, Last time we were on with him, he was screaming at me the first seven minutes, the night they signed Gabe Jackson. So yeah, I actually heard about that partially from you guys. Partially, I was getting breakfast with my mom this weekend and my mom and dad. And, and my mom was like, I tuned into your show, but there was, I think it was Evan was just screaming. And so I, and you weren't there. So I turned it off. But uh, I was like, dude, you're killing our stats, mom. Just, just, you know, give him a little bit of time. He's, he's worth it. Um, so uh, in any event, um I can't even remember. Like, I don't think I was on the last show or maybe I was. I can't honestly remember the last time we talked. I don't think so. Um, but there's been a fair amount that's gone on. Um, let's start with the news of the day um, because I think that's where everyone wants to hear. Uh, the Seahawks cut Carlos Dunlap, um, his $14 million salary, and left a big hole relative to edge rush for the team. And while we've all been like laser focused on re-signing Dunlap um, or someone of his ilk, the Seahawks today announced two signings. Um, they re-signed Benson Mayoa. Um, do we know the numbers on that deal? Not yet. It's kind of going to be like a million. There's been like the agent leak has come out, but no real numbers. Mike Duger was the first to come out and say it's actually one of those four-year contracts with two fake years. So. Until we see what the actual numbers are, we're not going to know how it's structured. Yeah, I, I have to imagine it's in like the one to two million range. Like it, it wouldn't make sense for it to be anything more than that. But maybe I'm. The maybe numbers you... that have been reported so far is something like three for fifteen with like incentives that could go up to sixteen and a half. But I mean that that can change a lot once we get all the details and the year to year and all that. Yeah. I... I'm seeing numbers being thrown out on uh, on uh, the chat. Um, two years, eight point eight. 
Yeah, that was the agent leak. I just don't think I don't believe it. No, that's probably like at the high level. So it's going to be a lot lower than that when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, that's something we'll talk about a little bit as well. The numbers have been coming out in these contracts. Usually you see the numbers that are the agent leaks that are super inflated. And then you see the real numbers, but we're seeing the agent leak, then the numbers, and then the actual cap hit for the year and the, the escapes. And like, there's these things that are just plummeting down in terms of what their actual contract value is. So uh, that also relates to the next signing. Uh, I think the bigger news of, of the two, which is the Seahawks signed uh, the 49ers, you know, best defensive end from last year, Kerry Hyder um, uh, to a deal. And uh, I don't have it up in front of me, Jeff, do you, do you or Dana have the deal up in front of you? I think it works out to like a two year, like, no, sorry. The, the number I shared was the Hyder number. So Hyder was a uh, three year, 16 and a half with incentives mm-hmm. up to 17 and a half. And then I think Curtis, Curtis came out and said, 10 of that 16 is actually fake. It's actually a two year, $6.5 million deal. Right. Third void year for the whole 10 million voids. That's what I'm talking about. So that is a very different deal than three years, 16 with a incentives to 17. So two years, six and a half. Mm-hmm. That is, that's crazy to me. Um, for a guy that had eight and a half sacks last year that played in all 16 games, um, I, I shared on Twitter, this guy had over a 12% pressure rate. He was, you know, significantly higher pressure rate than Carlos Dunlap even was last year and was very consistent throughout the season, had at least one pressure in every single game. Um, you know, he's not the most elite to high twitch, you know, fast twitch pass rusher, but he is, uh, he is very productive and he's, he's a two-way um, defensive end. He can play the against the run, which I know Nathan cares most about, but uh, also is a pass rusher. So um, we talked about him a little bit on the show. I'm curious, uh, Dana, let's start with you. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about the two signings of Benson Mayoa and Kerry Hyder? I, I like the Mayoa signing. I know that you guys weren't real keen on bringing him back, or at least in our chat, we had conversations about that I'm glad I I think that what he showed last year was some consistency and might not have been crazy high numbers I think that he had an uptick toward the end of the year but I just think that that consistency um you know really kind of paid off for Seattle um I, I I like I like the way he fits on this team and whether it be situational wherever you know it may end up being I'm I'm glad he's back I think that someone coming in knowing the system all that good stuff will will pay off um and, and as much as I love and adore Bruce Irvin, um, I think if you had to pick between the two, I think, unfortunately for Bruce, because he got hurt last year and then had to have another surgery, I think Benson was the more logical of the two. Um, as for Hyder, I have to be really honest with you. He probably was happier than most that, Joe, you know, that, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? It's not Joey. Is it Joey Bosa? No. Who got hurt Dick last Bosa. year? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, sorry, I completely blanked on that. Um, why, you know, that he got hurt because he really got a chance to sign and shine and now got a good contract out of it. Um, I'm a little surprised that San Francisco didn't bring him back, but, you know, maybe they wanted to. Maybe this is the, you know, um, a DJ situation where they had planned on bringing him back and just didn't get him. I'm not sure, but I think this was good. I still want Carlos Dunlap on this team. And I made it very loud and clear on Twitter. And I still really would like to see him come back. And I think it was Bob Condotta said that the way they plan on playing Hyder, there is still a chance that they could need 
than let back to. And so I, I would love to see him back, but you know what? I, I like the numbers on Hyder and I think that um, he would be a good fit for sure. Yeah. It's, um, I'm trying to pull up a couple things on. Uh... And one other thing I did repost it. I think Jeff put it in our chat and I had posted it. Baldinger's um, little blip about him, his little 60 second video, you know, about him playing last year was fantastic to watch. The kid is really good. He is. I mean, he's a huge, huge worker. Um, I can't, for some reason, end up getting some of the, the stats up. Um, one thing, Jeff, uh, going back to you on this, um, I've heard a couple of things that, that for me are off on the, the fan reactions to this. Um, one, Benson Mayoa, yeah, maybe he played well towards the end of the season, but that was because of Carlos Dunlap. And I want to just pierce that myth right here. Mm -hmm. He was back when Carlos Dunlap was back and he was playing like ass. Like he was not good for like a number of games um, after Dunlap was here. Something happened over the last four games where uh, uh, he got healthy and really the last three games. If you look at his last three games of the season, um, he was the sixth ranked edge player in the NFL according to PFF. I mean, he really, and that wasn't just like a PFF thing. He, the reason I even started looking at that last year was because he was popping, he was making plays um, all of a sudden and looking faster and more, you know, more dangerous. So if they're getting that player now at the beginning of the year, that's a, that's a pretty interesting signing. I don't think he's dependent on Carlos Dunlap to be that player. At least he wasn't last year. No, and the thing with him is they were playing him way too much at the beginning of the year, and it was a necessity thing. It wasn't a Dunlap thing. Is he's just not built to be – he was playing like 50, 60 snaps a game, if I remember correctly. And he's just not built to play like that. And then he, he got hurt, if I remember. So I, he probably got his legs going. He was probably used in the, the role that he should be playing. The year before, he was really productive in a limited pass rush role. And that's really what he is. And Seattle was playing him too much because they didn't have anyone else. Bruce Irvin got hurt. Their roster was just depleted of pass rushers. And they had to play Mayo a ton of snaps, and they weren't getting anything out of it. And it was a diminishing return source situation. So when he sort of got his legs back and was used in a role because of Dunlap and because of some of the other pass rushers, he can be used at the proper productivity and the proper snaps. And you saw a totally different player. You saw the, the juice in his legs that you saw the year before when – we were all kind of excited about that signing at that value because yeah, the first 12 games of the year, he was pretty, he was pretty useless. Yeah. And, and I want to come back to you on the Hyder thing, but I'll, I'll, you know, bring this to you first, Nathan. Um, the other thing I'm seeing on, on some fan reaction is, Oh yeah. Kerry Hyder was good because of who he was playing next to in San Francisco. San Francisco's like defensive line was pretty decimated last year and i don't know that 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 explains a lot from at least what i saw of, of how he played he seemed to stand out on his own i'm curious what's your take on Hyder from what you saw last year and, and where you think he fits for seattle next year yeah i mean that's probably fair to some degree but i agree like i mean that defensive line last year was not the same defensive line that it was like a year before or anything like that um uh, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, I think of Hyder a lot like I think of Mayoa. I think probably a better version of Mayoa. Um, but, you know, he's another guy that, like, <clears throat> wasn't playing every down, right? I mean, they were resting him and 
And that probably helped a little bit with his, you know, pass rush productivity and his pressure rates and whatnot. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I went back and watched him a little bit today. Um, and he's, I, like you said, he's not like a quick, quick twitch guy, right? Um, I don't think he's really electric athletically, um, but he's a worker and he's productive. And so I think it's a really, you know, solid signing for them, especially with guys like Alton Robinson, bringing back Mayoa, um, you know, we'll see what they get out of Daryl Taylor. Um, and who knows, right? I mean, can LJ Collier take another step forward and can he help guys like Mayo and Hyder, you know, keep a little bit fresher? So um, I think he's a nice guy to have in the mix. Um, it'd be great to get like a Dunlap, like a real star back, but I would be surprised with these signings if that's in the cards for them. Um, so I do think that they need someone still to kind of take a step forward and be that kind of more premier type pass rusher. Is that every? I'm curious. Is that, is that everyone's take? Is your if you had to predict right now? I'm going to go to each one of you on this. Are they going to bring another pass rusher, another edge rusher in, um, or are they done? Dana, yes or no? Are they going to bring another pass rusher in? I think there's a probability. I don't know how large of a probability, but I think there's a probability that they bring Dunlap back. But if it's not Dunlap, I would be even less convinced that they bring someone else back or someone in. Jeff, how about you? I do think they bring someone else in. Seeing Bob's tweet, the fact that they're not playing him as a Leo, my initial reaction was maybe this forces Dunlap. Maybe this is like a younger, similar Dunlap. And I proved to be wrong on that. And I just think the market really plays into their favor. And there's guys like Dunlap's the ideal fit. You know, he can play. He's not going to cost a lot based on what guys are going for, but they could end up with an Alden Smith or a Kerrigan at a one-year $3 million contract or something like that. I do think they bring someone in. I think the value is too good. And Nathan, where, where are you on this? You kind of just alluded to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't know. They might bring somebody back. I'd be surprised if they landed a Dunlap or an Alden Smith. Um, and if it's not one of those guys, I don't know that there's anyone out there that really interests me all that much. Um, but you kind of get to the point where you just have like a lot of bodies that you have to figure out. I mean, that's, you're talking about six or seven defensive ends at that point, And that's, you know, quite a few. So I'd, I'd be a little surprised if they do much more. Yeah. That's the part that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I, yeah. So Bob Condetta tweeted out, um, they're going to play Hyder at the five tech, which is expected. That's what he is. He's a, he's a two seventy pound. He's like, he can play against the run. He can rush the passer. He's actually like almost an ideal five tech. Like, um, so fine. That leaves the Leo position, which is the rush end position. And you say, okay, well, who's going to do that? Maybe they can still sign somebody and they could, I mean, like we did talk about this very scenario before free agency began about, Look, the last time that there was a depressed market from a cap perspective, uh, you got Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett on like killer deals. And that was a pretty good deal for the Seahawks that year. Could they do that again this year? Well, they just got two at a, at a very reasonable price. Um, could they go for three? Maybe. But, you know, Nathan just listed off some of the names. There's, there's Alton Robinson, who was very good last year as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And that was his rookie year. I think, I don't know that you want to choke his snap count out. Like, I, I think he's a guy that you want to give more, uh, more opportunity to Daryl Taylor, who we haven't seen, but you also don't want to count on, but you, you haven't seen 
Um, and then you've got uh, Rasheem Green and LJ Collier that both play edge. Now Collier can slide inside. Rasheem Green can slide inside, but they're not true defensive tackles. They're rush defensive tackles in certain situations. So, um, you know, I like the Rasheem Green, uh, carry Hyder rotation at, at five tech. I think that's a, a, a nice spot for you. If you've got a rotation of Benson Mayo, Alton Robinson, and I mean, Alton Robinson, you know, anyway, I think Benson Mayo, Alton Robinson and Daryl Taylor at Leo, are you really going to add a fourth? Like, and if you are, who goes, um, in that picture, like, so that's the part, you know, it, it, it doesn't really, whatever position Kerry Hyder plays, I'm not sure I understand why they would spend more money. Um, unless, unless if I can throw money. something in, it, it, unless the, the Collier situation did not get as improved as they wanted last year. Um, or if, you know, they're not sure what they're going to do with a couple of other players. I, I think that there were some people on Twitter that were throwing out scenarios, um, um, trading players and moving players and that sort of thing. Um, not all of them sounded very likely, but you know, we truly don't know. And then we do have the question mark of Taylor from last year. We've never seen him. We have no idea. And maybe they are worried about that. I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember last year that at one point he had been cleared to play, but he wasn't ready to play. And Pete brought that up a couple of times. And that made me wonder how they felt about that kid after that. And so, I don't know, there's, there's always, you know, always a reason to bring someone in, but you're right. They're not going to spend a ton of money, even though, as we haven't mentioned yet, but I'm sure we'll talk about, they obviously have already had to start moving some money around because there's no way they had enough space for these people. So to me, the one thing that's staring me in the face is Jaron Reed and his contract. Mm -hmm. And when you go through all the numbers and you think they need to clear space and they haven't announced any restructures. And there's a lot of talk that LJ Collier played really well from the three technique position last year. I'm wondering if that might be, and might, that might be a lever there where you're low on picks. The thing I'm stuck on is Jaron Reed's contract in this market. It just doesn't match. So it's hard to see a team wanting, a th he only would cost, I believe 8.5 million, but he's on the last year of his deal. It's hard to see a team trading for that contract unless it's to say it's a team like Jacksonville or something that just has eons of space. So that's the thing I'm wondering where the only way that the Dunlap thing would work is if they move him and then it sort of creates a domino effect or that they're just have no confidence in Taylor and they need more insurance because you're right when you do them. That's why I initially thought, okay, this signals the end of Dunlap because the numbers just don't work. They have too many bodies and, you want to play Mayo, you want to play Robinson, but who's your every down starter? And that's where you never know. It's, it's hard to see, but that read contract to me, they're probably looking at it as, can we get rid of this thing? Is this one of our only ways to recapture some draft picks? But again, just my logic brain comes back. And it's like, who wants to trade for that? Are you going to get anything for that? Is that a seventh round pick? Is that worth it at that point? Yeah, I mean, there, honestly, well, I'm curious what you guys think on this, but I, there's no scenario where I will be disappointed with the Kerry Hyder signing. I think people are saying, mm -hmm. I wish, you know, I wish they'd gotten Dunlap instead of Hyder. I don't see it that way because they play different roles and and Hyder's just a great signing no matter what. 
Honestly, I think dollar for dollar, it's the best signing in the NFL this last season. We'll find out. I mean, from a, in terms of production from last year to what it cost this year, I think you're. I that's exactly what came to my mind. Uh, it's a three million dollar potential starter and upside play. It's to me that's one of the best signs the whole in a, the whole league. It's huge. It's huge. But the Mayoa one's the one that's going to be questionable because really, like you then had a space for a third you know, Leo kind of guy, if, if you wanted to have a, a hedge against Taylor and Robinson, what this kind of says to me is that the Seahawks believe in Taylor and Robinson. And Mayoa is a more of a rotational guy. Like he always has been, he's not going to be a full-time starter or anything like that. Um, and maybe they don't want, I mean, to spend on a, on a starter that's going to keep those guys on the bench. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love, I'd be happy if I heard the signing. Cause it's like the more the merrier when it comes to pass rush, Dana and I are the same way on that, but uh, I'm not, I'm not expecting it. I think they're done there um, would be my guess. Um, Can we add one other wonderful thing about this Hyder signing is the completely pissed off factor, but that we have two 49ers on the team from this year and then read from the year before. We're just gathering them all up. Just bring them on in. We're just taking them all. And you know that really irritates the other, <laughs> the other team. So that that's always makes it a little fun too. Yeah, it's funny. I saw like some after he signed, I saw some Niners fan were like pleading with him to resign. <laughs> and then like the second the news came out, they were swearing at him. He changes. They demanded he changed his background and his photo. I saw that. One. He now has a Seahawks background. And they instantly, they instantly hate him now. And they're trying to cover up like it's not a big deal, but they're so mad. It's so funny. Well, it's, I mean, you guys remember on this show last year, we spent, we spent a lot of time talking about how maybe Brandon Shell was the best value signing in the free age in free agency. And the guy that we talked about that was, we were like, oh no, that guy was a better signing was Kerry Hyder. Like we were like the 49ers are getting a ton of production out of that guy for what they signed him. And the Seahawks got him for less, like a lot less. So of course, 49ers fans are going to be pissed and good job. Good make, job, John. <laughs> it makes you wonder a little bit at how much Quandary Diggs had to do with this because they played together on the yeah, line. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so you yeah, wonder if there was a couple phone calls made that says, no, come up. This is where you want to be. Because, you know, that does hold weight in this league. Money is money. And we get that. But sometimes, you know, just a little nod from your buddy can go a long way too. I will say that this is a little bit like the deterioration of the LOB in reverse, right? Like we are picking up the Clinton McDonald's and the Walter Thurman's of the, which is fine. Like those were good players and the Niners had like an insane defense that year. Right. But like Hyder was like, these were like rotational guys and fringe roster guys. Right. And now you're bringing them in and they're more prominent. Like there's still, I think, uh, I'm excited for these and the contracts seem to be all great and everything, but I think there is still a little bit of a, not so much with the Niners anymore, but just talking about like getting back to that 2012 level of talent, like still a clear, huge, you know, kind of gap from being that kind of team again. 
Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. are people talking <laughs> like that? Like, no, no, no. It was a historic it, defense. You can't get back there, I don't think. Well, yeah, was... it, it's it's just funny to me that like we watched all these kind of guys trickle out and it was it sucked. It was like a you know, to watch all these guys that were really productive role players, right? And now like the Seahawks are the one kind of benefiting that. Like the Niners can't keep everyone from that one great defense they had. And now that the Seahawks are kind of, you know, yeah, it's just you know, I mean, they they really, I mean. They still are stacked. I mean, they still are really good. But yeah, I mean, they they've they've been losing guys. I mean, Quan Alexander even last year. Like, I mean, they, they, one guy after another. Um, and and everyone's like, oh, they're going to be great this year. And it all depends on health. Um, generally, the best indicator of whether people are going to stay healthy is whether they've been healthy in the past. And so I don't know that you can just all of a sudden assume that a team that had all those injuries is just going to be super healthy this year. Like. Um, especially when when uh i don't know who was it today that came out and was like yeah jimmy's gonna be our qb and he when he's in the huddle we just win and yeah what was that? is it jeruzak what it was it fullback yeah yeah oh, fullback, oh, fullback. Right. yeah you, you, yeah you check yep yeah okay good i'm so glad they all feel that way like <laughs> thank god they all feel that yeah. way yeah um all right. Well, well, so, you know, you brought up the Reed trade, Jeff. It seems, I mean, it makes sense. I don't think any of us would be like, oh no, don't trade him. But, but like, it doesn't seem like there's going to be, there has to be demand in order for that to happen. And it almost feels like you'd have to include a draft pick for someone to take on the contract. Like, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm not sure that there's, there's a there there. Yeah. So uh what are the other uh signings that we've got we've got ethan posick um <laughs> there's someone that really important with that one that there's some there's a lot of things going on that like high level stuff that we should talk about okay sure with all stuff i think there's something really critical about the what are you what are you glaring at me and shaking your head for? i'm not saying a, what do you guys go ahead i'm just no, I want to hear what Nathan says. <laughs> no there, there's a really really interesting thing about the east and post post signing that you know a lot of people aren't talking about and i think it's important that we bring it up um you know when shaquille griffin got signed russell wilson tweeted congratulations when puna <laughs> got his extension Russell Wilson tweeted a congratulations. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Akello Witherspoon got a congratulations. Uh, Gabe Jackson got an, uh, a congratulations. Carrie uh, Hyder and Benson Mayoa, congratulations. There's somebody missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Ethan Posick uh, does not you know, get the love, apparently. He was the starting center yeah. on a team that, you know, when the year concluded, Russell made some poignant comments about his protection. And I just think it's a massive middle finger from John and Pete to Russell to bring Ethan Posick back. And it's Stop. clear as day Stop from it. Russell's reaction that that's how he has interpreted it. So, you know, keep your eyes and ears open around draft day. This trade stuff might not be done. All because of Ethan Posick. <laughs> Did you check no, Instagram? No. I don't have Instagram. Well, then he probably did it on Instagram. 
man. But I, I do think that's I think he did it on Parlor actually is where he put the <laughs> posted congratulations. They sent him an ICQ message. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, if you said you think it's significant, go so on. No, I think it's significant that <laughs> two, a couple of things have happened in the last week with Russell and the, the messaging coming out of Russell has completely changed. We're doing that whole trade talk. Russell was quiet. But I think the fact that Brady Anderson had the note, I think it was Friday night, that Russell was the one who really made the Chris Carson push. I know uh, some of the analytics Twitter will have to talk to Russell about this, but apparently Russell, apparently Carson was very close to going to New England and Russell spent the last three days of that negotiation urging him to come back. And they got him for what looked like an iffier deal, but when the numbers came out, looked pretty good. And now you see Russell, he celebrated the Gabe Jackson thing. He celebrated two rotational defensive linemen signing. And that's a strikingly different message to where we were probably 10 days ago. And to me, that is really significant based on a lot that was coming out and a lot that was being pushed about the state of the team and the relationship. I don't think Russell's celebrating defensive rotational signings if he's looking to get traded. Like, sure, Shaq Griffin and Puna getting money, that's a little different, but, like, Benson Mayoa coming back and you have a quarterback celebrating that, I think that's very significant. If we were sports radio, we would be continuing to try to find ways to talk about the possibility of a Russell trade. We're not. It's nonsense. He's not getting traded. We don't need to talk about it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Unless, unless there's some masseuses that are going to come out with, you know, oh, you oh, know, God. 25 uh, accusations. I don't know if any of you think I don't like, the, you know, we, we argue sometimes about blame pie, about how much goes to Russell, how much goes to Pete, how much goes to John and offensive linemen and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, all that stuff. I think all of us appreciate that Russell's not going to be a person that, that, that goes that direction <laughs> gets gets that kind of publicity and, and that kind of and, and it, you know you kind of say well of course of course not but there's a lot of powerful men that have a lot of money that do things like that um there's probably a lot more that do it than don't and so um i mean i i really respect that about russell he seems like genuinely uh invested in his family and his marriage and um you know being a, a role model so i love that about him um, but it's, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. He's, no, he's, it's, gonna, it's over. I think I the only I don't people think he's still going anywhere next year either, by the way. I, I just think he's here. That I don't. Yeah. It depends how this year goes. That, yeah. I think I'll, uh, this year is going to decide a lot of that. Yeah. There's just no way this, that this group, these, these three can do another. 10 win first round playoff loss thing again like it, it just i don't know i think there's too much tension already uh, but I, I, the other the other side of it is anytime that you're talking about firing a coach like pete carroll or trading a quarterback like russell wilson like the odds are always fairly small even when they're at their biggest like it's just tough to do right i mean you're gonna have you're talking about like you know Jody Allen getting involved. If we're talking about firing Pete, you're talking about you know just a team offering an insane amount, right? If, if you're talking about trading Russ, right? And so, and then there's cap implications, everything too. So from that perspective, like yeah, it's even even if they win like seven games this year, it's still probably 
more likely than not that Russ is back. But I think this gets pretty ugly uh, next year if, if they don't do significantly better in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll cross that bridge. I, that my, my, my point of view is he's going to be around. I, I think, I think, I think they're in position to do that. And uh, part of it is because I think, I think they've done some good things this year um, uh, on the, that was going to be my next point. So I think the other significant thing that's happened and it happened in some of these deals today is that John Schneider, who's been, I've been a huge critic of him. He sort of pivoted into the way he does things in terms of these void years. And John is very stringent, almost too stringent in terms of how he does business. He's, he's very set in his ways. I know like if you follow the Colts, they're going through that same sort of thing right now. Where their fans are all losing their mind that they're not spending their money. But a lot of these deals have come in and you've seen this void year. Evan's been talking about it this a lot, how the Seahawks like refuse to do that in the past because they don't like pushing money into the future. And all these deals have come in in the last week that started with the Carson one, the Posick one, and then the two today, they all have these void years. And what the void years do is they push money out forward. And the, when, at the end of the contract, you're going to have to pay dead cap hits when they get eventually released or the contract ends, but it's really lowering these cap hits in the immediate future. Like Carson's cap hit this year is two and a half million. Posick, I think it's 2 million. Hyder and Mayo are going to come in really low and all these void years have allowed them to add a more of a quantity of players. And if you look and you isolate all the moves the Seahawks have made this off season, they're all pretty good. Like every free agent they've signed is pretty good value. It's pretty reasonable. They haven't handed out a stupid contract. Like the Posick move was a little underwhelming, but to me, I think that's a draft hedge. And I think the draft really lines up for that match. And overall, like I can't remember the last time I've looked at a Seahawks free agency and said, like last year we were freaking out. Like there's a lot of case that they screwed up that defensive line group. And then the years before they didn't really do much because they didn't have much space, but I can't remember a year where you can look at like five or six moves and they've been aggressive, but not in a dangerous way. Like maybe like the giants have been. And to me, it's been like a smart aggression. And I thought that Gabe Jackson trade and the Everett move sort of unlocked the rest of their off season. And you saw it today with the pass rushers and you might see it if they eventually get a third receiver, hopefully they see that as a need, but the third receiver market, another pass rusher, even a corner, if they still want to add more, the value is sitting right there. So they've really played this well. And I think that's because Schneider has been more creative and more like lenient than he's been in the past. And I think he deserves credit for that because really their stringent ways has hurt them in the past. I think, I think it's really, really well said, Jeff. Um, yeah. and, and it's interesting. I mean, we go through it. I'm, I'm going to try to recap the moves off, off my, you know, off my memory. So help me if I miss something. I mean, you've got the Gabe Jackson trade, which I think for us all is the, the linchpin of the whole off season. You've got um, uh, uh, the Gerald Everett signing, um, which we all expected, but is also like logically, you know, a good move. You've got the Kerry Hyder signing, the Benson Mayo signing, Chris Carson signing, Ethan Posick signing, Akella Witherspoon signing. Uh, who else am I missing? The most important one. Brought back Nick Ballore. Come on. You know we had to have him back. He's our pro bowler. Who is an excellent special teams player. Like, <laughs> pro bowl level special teams player. Definitely. Um, Another former 49er. Is there anyone else I've missed? 
No, I didn't. They resigned Puna, but yeah. So so yes, mm-hmm. he extended out Puna. Like, are there any of the, like? I 100% agree with your take. The only one that I'm like, eh, is the Posick deal. Like, yeah, you guys know right. I'm I'm not high. I don't think he's terrible. I just think he's like a mediocre center, and I'd like them to have a good player there. Um, and uh, I don't know that after Hudson and all the other guys, I don't know that there was someone else they could have signed as a hedge um, there. Um, so generally, I don't even like with the money they spent there. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, Nathan, you're you're the most negative of us. Like, what of those moves? Which are the ones that that you're most uh, you know? down on i mean bringing back carson obviously uh wasn't great oh that makes sense (laughs) no i didn't predict that i mean if you're i I mean the carson deal like was all the details that came out it looks fine like it's it's wait a second folks that actually is a big moment that that say that again nathan it looks fine yeah it's fine wow uh I mean, a four-letter F word to Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like it, it is, it is inoffensive. Like I'm, I, I still don't think it was necessary. Um, but I can't be like when I first saw the contract details and everything, I thought it was not good. Right, I thought it was bad. Um, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but I thought it was bad. Then the details came out about the year, like what the actual breakdown of it all is, and it's like whatever, fine. Um, so. I mean, that's kind of it, though. I guess the one question I have at this point is, like, uh, how concerned should we be that Jamal Adams hasn't gotten an extension? Mm. And, like, what does that mean about that trade and everything? Um, But, no, I don't really have any big kind of negatives. I mean, the thing that really sucked about uh this offseason was that the raiders did this crap where it was it came out that they had released players and then turned around like two days later and were like actually we're trying to trade them and it worked they like got something out of hudson and then yeah, they got what what would be uh, a fifth right for yeah, third for hudson and a fifth i mean that that's that's not bad i don't know why they were giving all those players away but well, I, I can explain that there's a lot of issues with that team yeah but yeah so no i mean it, I, I think um since the Ed Dixon offseason, uh, Seattle's approach to free agency, and like I think we're like three years like through this now, so I think you can really say that they've they've changed something. It feels a lot better, right? They're doing these these no big splashes, which was frustrating last year, but like smart moves around the edges to get talented players that are you know not like super talented, but like good role players that can start for you if you need, but that you can kind of like play younger guys over if you need, and that don't have any kind of real long-term commitment or hit. And, you know, I think a couple weeks ago, Jeff, you talked a lot about how it doesn't feel like this team has like a roster building plan, like a long-term one. And I think what they're trying to do around free agency is a lot clearer um, with this year, kind of in addition to the last couple of years that they've been doing this. So I think that's really good. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's it's a good point, and and I, I mean, I, I, I we have these conversations a lot, and I don't know that that it really sticks with fans about how much you can stretch money if depending on how you approach free agency, but there were a lot of people, including folks in our chat, that were ready to jump off a bridge at the idea of them cutting Carlos Dunlap, and and I understand because I I didn't want to lose Carlos, Dunlap. I would have rather them extend him, like totally, 
but 14 million is what he was on the books for this year. And if you add up Chris Carson, Benson Mayoa, Kerry Hyder, Gerald Everett, like Ethan Posick, like, I don't know, pick five. I think they all, you could probably fit most of the Seahawks free agent moves into $14 million in the cap this year. Like, <laughs> like, like, I think the team is better, you know, and you go up to like a Kenny Galladay who's $18 million, right? Like there's a lot of players you can add that are quality players. And I feel like the Patriots have been the one that have historically been really good at this, which is veterans, you know what you're going to get from, but are lower cost, lower upside. Um, it, I think is a more, most effective way to approach free agency. I don't think there's a lot of times where you go really big in free agency and you're like, sweet, that worked out. So there is, there is one area though, that they still need to do something. Yes. Uh, they got to get a receiver. Heck like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that is the one place where you can kind of look at their like I, I think the Patriots are a really good example of this where they would fill out and they would have they, they would be situated well to like kind of survive you know attrition that you have in an NFL year right where you're just going to lose some people and you have these cheap but capable players that are laying around right and then they turn those into like comp picks and other things and then they trade those comp picks into more pick right and that's how you can kind of roll this thing forward um the one area that they're really not situated to handle attrition at all is receiver. Um, so that is the one place where I think, you know, my big question marks coming out of this offseason as of today are what are you doing at receiver? And kind of weird you haven't extended Jamal Adams yet. Yeah. I mean, who's left at the receiver spot that you guys? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Nathan. And the list is really starting to dwindle. And there are a lot of names that came out like John Brown's going for like $3 million. And Josh Reynolds was a guy we all thought, but he's now a starting player in Tennessee. Isaiah McKenzie signed with the bills today. Brian's guy for like a million dollars, a million dollars. And you're looking at the names and I have a list in front of me. T.Y. Hilton is the top name far away. He's, I think he realizes he's the best receiver in the market. And that's why he's taking his time because he is no rush to sign. He knows that, Someone gets desperate, they're going to come to him. Like Sammy Watkins is left. He's been visiting teams. But outside of that, Will Fuller signed. Will Fuller signed. So you had a ton of names last Friday, but now all of a sudden you're left with Golden Tate, Dee Dee Westbrook. That's uh, Derek's guy. Derek's guy. He's got an upside. I don't know if he's, a, I can't know if the Seahawks will like him, but. He's got the profile of a very talented receiver. Got Antonio Brown. That was going to be my next one. The scary name that Russell was leaked again that Russell's angling for is Antonio Brown. Who? The rage article you would get out of me if this team signed Antonio Brown would be. Other than those guys, it's like Willie Speed and Demarcus Robinson and Corderell Patterson. There's not. What do you guys think about Marquise Lee? He got he got let go because he didn't he just he hasn't didn't. done anything like for seven years. Yeah, he's been hurt for like seven years, hasn't he? And that I know he sat out last game. year due to COVID. Like he opted out. Yeah. Like normally, I would say, okay, you can draft a receiver. It's a great year to have a receiver draft, but they have three picks and they need a center. <laughs> so yeah, I, it is pretty thin. 
I mean, it really looked good a week ago, and then they've sort of let this get away from them while they've been doing other things. God, guys, I don't like this. I think they're going to sign Brown. So do I. If 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 he if he wants to come here, like people forget, like that is still one of the stories that people get totally wrong. They're like, Pete doesn't give Russell what he wants. Like like Russell said, he wants his players, like like Tom Brady did. He wanted Antonio Brown. Pete came out and pressed her and was like super positive about getting Antonio Brown and keeping things open. And then Antonio Brown was like, I'm going to Florida, like screw off. Um, so well, none of us were happy about it. We were like, why are they open to this? This is not someone they should be adding to the team. Um, but the both Pete and Russ seemed positive on it. So with that in mind and with this gap, it, I mean, you look at who's available I mean, golden Tate would make a lot of sense, but there's, question about how that fit is with this team um and i think you'd have to say antonio brown has more to offer from a football standpoint right now than golden tate does um although you know you could debate that uh dd westbrook is an interesting name you know we haven't heard anything about him um sammy watkins i think would be great but i don't know how much he's really profiles as a third receiver like he's you know, i don't know it doesn't seem like although the one thing I'd say about Sam Watkins is he did play in the McVay offense. So maybe there's something there. Um, but yeah, what if they don't do that? If they don't do that, what does that mean? You're going to have to draft them with that second round pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look, can I, can I just jump in here for a minute? Yeah, of course I just, do. I just want to remind everyone that Antonio Brown goes to court in December for his sexual assault cases. So, you know, who knows if he'll even get to play the whole season. I just want to remind people of that on a regular basis. Um, I, here's the thing with the receivers, you have DK and you have Tyler, right? Two fantastic receivers. You know, DK is the new God. Tyler Lockett is, you know, Russell's, you know, safety blanket. I could see where they would think defense might be the way they had to look first, especially when you're going third receiver. We're not going with the number one. We're not going with the number two, but I get exactly what you guys are saying that, you know, what what was, I don't know. It was probably Nathan, but I can't, I don't know for sure. It was Nathan that said, you know, we're one injury away from starting Swain or something like that. And I thought that that was, it's a very, it's a very good point, but it also makes you wonder, you know, are they going to wait and see, who, you know, falls off with their teams, you know, come, you know, training camp, this, that, and the other, or are they just going to go get Mr. Serviceable, someone over here and throw him in and see if it sticks and then maybe try and still draft somebody. I, I don't know. I just, I can kind of see where they leaned defense right now, maybe have been the more pressing of the issues. Yeah. I, I hope they don't sign him. <laughs> I really don't do, but like, yeah. Okay, no idea. Uh, just so you know, and that we're, we're clear on that. I think we're all on that same page. Um, is, yeah, I, I think so. No I think it's the only time I ever swore on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> and everyone was like, what's wrong with Dana? Wow. I'm like, mm, wow. save it for the best people. Just saying. Well, so if they don't sign a third receiver in free agency, what grade would you give the Seahawks free agency? Um, Dana, let's start with you. A B. I, I agree. I think that they 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 filled the needs that they needed, except for center. I know that we all of us were really hoping for one of the big name centers. I think that, but they, they 
they thought Posick could do the job apparently. Um, or they could get someone in the draft. But otherwise, I think I've been I've been pretty pleased. As much as Nathan didn't want Carson to come back, I think for the price they did, that was a great call. He already knows the system. He's in there. And, you know, and, and Russ obviously wanted that. Um, they got the tight end they, you know, needed. They got, you know, the lineman that they needed. So I, I've, been, I've been pretty pleased. I'm not wowed. But at the same time, I'm so glad they didn't give someone a J.J. Watt contract that you have to be, you know, pretty happy with this. Jeff, what's your grade? I'm the same way. I'm a B. Uh, I think they've been, as I said, it's been like a very aggressive, but smart and not, they haven't done one contract that I've been, I, I, Nathan mentioned that Ed Dixon off season. That was a, there was a lot of head shaking moves where they canceled out all their comp picks in a year where they lost a lot of draft picks. And they just did a lot of weird moves that sort of like the Jaguars were making this year where they just signed all these like special teamers and it didn't make any sense. This year, every move they've made has like some upside to it for most part of them POSIC. And I've liked almost every move if you isolate it, but I'm with Nathan. The thing that prevents me from jumping to that next level is the third receiver is jumping off the page to me. To me, they've let a lot of names go. They've let a lot of value go. And now they're at the point where either you go into the year with Freddie Swain or you hope a June 1st cut happens or you take on one of these names. But to me with DK Metcalf, I know this is never going to happen, but I really think they should make a play for T.Y. Hilton. I know it's not realistic. But with DK Metcalf, this is one of the last years you're going to have him for cheap. Um, you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. This could be a great scenario for a one-year contract. Pay your third receiver a bit of money. Have a, a, a competitive advantage on offense because, as we said, if there's one injury or we saw what happens when Tyler Lockett gets injured. Mm-hmm. So the weapons run out, and I think they're playing with fire in this area. So it's a B for me. You know, here's the thing, too. It makes you wonder with T.Y., you know, kind of hedging his bets a little bit on this team – He's looking to play for a contender. The guy has been, you know, stuck in Indy for a while. And it makes you wonder if Seattle went in with a strong offer, not, you know, beating the tails, you know, off everybody, but just a strong offer, if that might not interest him a little bit. And, and you would think too, that the opportunity to play with a, a great quarterback like Russell Wilson would really intrigue him. Like he's never had that in his career to play with somebody of Russ's level. So that would be another kind of big thing for him, but uh, yeah, a cool opportunity for him to get to play with a good quarterback for a change. Is that, is that just, just like Andrew Luck slander? Like, is that, was that more just <laughs> like a genuine take about Russell or is that more you being snarky? Please. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. What you're talking about. Okay. You answered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, sorry, Nathan, what did we get for, did we get a grade from you? No, I, I was in a, I'm, I'm really proud about this because uh, I have the highest grade so far. I, I was going to go B plus. Um, I think a TY could move it to like an A minus. I mean, the big, you know, I don't know. The biggest negative right now is the Chris Carson deal, which isn't that big of a negative. And it sucks that they missed out on Zeitler and Lindsley, but they got, and that they had to cut Dunlap, but I think they filled in with, uh, interesting players and on really good contracts for the most part. Um, so I think, and then you consider, you know, that they were in a crunch a little bit with their cap space. So I think considering the resources and what they got, I think it's really positive for the most part. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with you, Dana and Jeff and, and almost to a B plus, but, but kind of at a B and, and honestly, like part of the way I grade free agency are the moves you don't make. Um, and like, look at the Shaquille Griffin deal like they signed that deal i feel very differently about this offseason than, than what they did 
And it's a perfect example. You take, you know, an above average corner and you replace it. Who's signed for a bunch of money. You sign a guy on a one-year deal for a quarter, quarter of the price who may end up being at least as good may end up being better. Like I'm not convinced for sure that Witherspoon won't be better. Like, and that's what you want to do in free agency. And then you look at, um, you you bring Chris Carson back at, you know, a a fraction of what people we were talking about. I mean, they're going to want to spend $8 million a year on him. Don't do that. You're talking for this year, it's two and a half million dollars. Like, and you look at uh, Gabe Jackson, huge, huge upgrade over Epotty, like massive upgrade um, at that spot. Um, and then, you know, the, the only place where I feel like and Everett upgrade over Olsen. Um, and, and so then you, you kind of look at it and it's like, all right, Posick, they're treading water. Um, you know, Mayoa and Hyder. Hyder's definitely an upgrade over who they were running out at five tech last year. Um, you know, but Leo's a question mark. So they don't have the clear Dunlap player. That, that's a question. I also think we don't know for sure that the combination of Robinson and Taylor won't be great. We don't know that. I, I don't think any of us can count on it, but I don't think we know that they won't be great. So really it comes down to this receiver spot and, and uh, <laughs> none of us are particularly comfortable with Freddie Swain being the guy uh, that they're going to count on. But if you go into a draft, really talking about two positions, I mean, to me, it's center and it's receiver. Those are the two positions that I care about. And yes, a three tech or, you know, someone inside would be great. But like, if they draft, I personally would be most happy if they drafted a center in the second round. That was one of the great centers in this draft. And he stepped in on day one and they cut Posick. And we've got Posick, we've got, you know, new kid, Jackson, uh, Lewis, together as a really good interior of that line um that would be my ideal well they got three picks you only mentioned two positions exactly. they're set they're good exactly <laughs> they should trade one of those picks they don't need it they don't even need they it, don't even need it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing of it is but we all i think we all agree that we know that they'll end up somehow in this draft with i'm thinking five picks i don't know how they're gonna do that i don't know how they have to trade future picks away or just trade back from second and they'll get like a late sevens and some stuff like that. I mean, yeah, maybe they trade a second for like four, two fourths and a fifth or something like that. <laughs> and then they, you know, and then you'll be furious. Uh, I, yeah. Anyway. No, that'd be a bad idea. They need to have quality. Huh. All right. So this, this yeah. one more thing. So this is such an interesting, like, uh, this is why it's so hard to judge like John Schneider and front offices and stuff. This, you're talking about that Quill contract and how, you know, compared to the Witherspoon deal, it was bad, right? And how that, that was the kind of contract that you don't want to make. Exactly. It, by, all, by all reports, and, and who knows how much of it was just, you know, an agent leveraging the Seahawks. But by all accounts, Seattle was in on that Quill deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they balked. They weren't willing to give him that much. Who knows much, how much they were really willing to give him. I mean... And they went hard after Zeitler too, which I think we all would have been very happy with. You know, even if they'd paid a little bit more than what he ended up getting paid, but that that could have been their off season. Zeitler and Quill. Yep. And that's kind of it, right? I mean, if if they had gotten those two guys, a lot of these other moves can't happen, right? Um, 
and maybe that would have been good. I mean, Zeitler is a good player. Quill's capable, right? Uh, but would have been drastically different than what we ended up with, right? And so, you know, even talking about like, well, does, does Schneider have a plan? Well, it looks like he's doing this kind of smart thing where he's filling around the edges with cheap stuff. Like, very, it seems like very easily we could be talking about a completely different offseason. Yeah. And for I understand, I heard this and I confirmed it. Seahawks offered more money to them than the Ravens did for Zeitler. And they were pretty shook from what I understand that he didn't come. They thought the appeal of more money playing with Russell who played with in college. And I think it took them a couple of days and then Gabe Jackson became their target, but then the Raiders pulled that fast one. So I think that really shook up their offseason a little bit because I think Zeitler was the guy they had targeted for a while. Can you imagine how different the, the, the tone would have been on Seahawks Twitter if the very first move of free agency is the Seahawks signing Zeitler? Like, because that's what happened with the Ravens signing. Like, oh my God, the amount of freaking hand wringing that was going on about this team. Like, they'll do none of the moves that they should do. They're like, (laughs) I mean, Dana, I like wrote, like, here's what, like, I'd love to see them do. I'd like to see them get a tight end. I'd like to see them sign a great interior lineman. I'd like, like, and the amount of responses that were like, they'll do none of these things. Pete. (laughs) beats back in the stone ages he doesn't understand any of these priorities and like they're going to do all of those things pretty much other than receivers the one thing that's that's on that list that hasn't happened yet well i mean they have to right i mean you have to have a complete team whether it's the people you want on the field or not you have to have a whole team and they had some pretty big holes but i think the one thing that a lot of fans forget and again i'm just going to keep redirecting you back to jeff's article about what fans do during free um, free agency is that sometimes players just don't want to play for your team. Yeah. You know, maybe they have family on the East coast. Maybe they're going to keep their family in their old city and just commute back and forth. I mean, there's a thousand reasons that players, maybe they don't like Russell Wilson. Maybe they don't like Pete Carroll. Maybe they don't like the rain. Who knows? Right. But there's a thousand reasons that players don't necessarily want to come play for your team. The funny thing about it is fans always blame the team never the player. It's like, we'll just give him more money. Well, I'm sorry. That's not always available. So, you know, I think that a lot of times we forget to be realistic in some of this. We have to look at situations. We have to look at, you know, like you said, Dunlap was 14 million and look at all the players they got for it. So I'm hoping that I think most fans are probably pretty pleased with what they've seen. And, and then the one thing that we haven't mentioned in a couple of podcasts now, at least that I've been on, is that all these newer players are exciting, but an entirely different offense is going to be exciting too. And that's what's going to be fun to watch unfold with some of these upgrades that we have gotten. And there's still some names out there. KJ Wright's in there. I uh, that's what a lot of people want to hear. Yeah. Richard Sherman's sitting out there. Uh, okay, wait. You get a wide receiver or you get Richard Sherman or no, you no, get no. Carlos I... Dunlap or you get Carlos Dunlap. One of those three, <sighs> only one, only one. Which receiver? T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. Hilton. Put put him out there. T.Y. Hilton, Richard Sherman, Carlos Dunlap. Only one. This is completely unfair. Yeah. I don't like this. Uh, it's Dunlap though. That's right. I mean, it's Dunlap. Yeah. It is. What? He's just the best. He, isn't he just, like a clear cut above everyone else 
Like, I, yeah. I really want them to address that third wide receiver spot. But, like, at some point, like, talent just kind of has to win, right? I'm amazed by that. Jeff. I think we go to T.Y. Hilton. I think because of the supply of the situation they're in, I think that what that can do, the kind of competitive advantage that can really create, it's probably the least realistic of the three. But to me, that would excite me to have that three-headed receiver group would be it'd be the best group in the league. And to me, that would I'd, I'd just create a huge competitive advantage more so than any of the other moves. Dana? I don't think this is fair. Brian wasn't on when I had my whole spiel I'm... about Shermie and I oh. answer the question, Dana. God dang it. Dunlap. Wow. So the correct answer is Richard Sherman. I agree, but I couldn't say because it made me sound answer... like a homer. So, <laughs> not only because I mean uh, it would just be amazing. It would be so amazing. Love you, it, it would it would do things like like when Shaquem Griffin was signed. Like it's just like it'd be amazing. But I think people are sleeping on him. Like yes, he was injured last year and and whatever. When he's on the field, he is still one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. And if you can actually like. By the way, coverage matters more than pass rush analytics, guys, right? Um, if, if you can make your cornerback room that much stronger, then you, you'll make your pass rush better as well. So for me, Richard Sherman would be, for a lot of reasons, um, he would be the guy. Uh, I would love. Can you imagine Richard Sherman and Jamal Adams on the same? Oh, Lord. Team? same huddle like that'd be a lot of trash talking it would be so fun but you know it'd be even more fun is that then all three of our cornerbacks would be from san francisco hey 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 hold on there he is from seattle you know what i'm saying though that'd be hilarious very big difference their heads would explode okay so i was gonna say that the interesting one to me is you can you can only have one kj or sure but it sounds like you two are sherm hands down Hands down. Yeah, I would take Sherm. Over KJ? I mean, I think KJ is important to the to the defense. I, I really, really do. But I think you're right that if you have to pick of those two, that Sherman would be the bigger impact. Here's the thing that's going to bother me. Um, and I've been meaning to close on this pod for 10 minutes, but these are good conversations. I can't, I, you guys, I can't quit you guys. So, <laughs> so I am now concern that what's going to happen is they're going to sign KJ and not sign a wide receiver. <laughs> that would lower my grade for this off season. Like yeah, if they draft the receiver in the second round, then it would change. But then you're starting post Yeah. Receivers, for... Like rookie receivers are a huge crapshoot, yeah. and, and I don't think you want to count on a rookie receiver. Like, They've been pretty productive, though, in the last year, those second-round yeah. receivers. I was going to say, that feels like it's been less and less true the last few years. Because now that the NFL has gone to more college off, like the second round two years ago was Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, then Terry McLaurin. Was right. Last year was Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, K.J. Hamler. I don't think there were any busts in the, those two rounds. And Justin Jefferson was like into the first like round. Yeah, like I don't think there was one bust in that whole two-year stretch. 
Yeah, it makes me nervous though. This um, is another class like that though. There's a lot of guys, and you're in a third receiver. You just pop them into the offense. Yeah. No, that's a good point. You, you guys, you guys, you guys are right. I. I think that was I just, old. Yeah. I, I just I really want. I'm worried that T.Y. is going to cost more now because he's, like, ended up waiting so long. He actually has the leverage again. But, like, like Swain is actually interesting to me. I don't hate him. It, like, he could end up being the third receiver, and that could end up being a good thing, right? And, like, yeah, a second-round pick could work out well. Like, uh, you know, there's no reason to think that they can't step in and contribute. But, like, just – it would just – feel like i would just feel so much better if they had a guy where it was like you you don't have to hope for anything right i don't need ty to be anything other than what he was last year right um whereas with with anything else you really kind of you need something right you need them to step forward because if swain's the third receiver who's the fourth receiver penny hart john ursua yeah like they've lost more they've lost their set they've lost Josh Gordon, like all the guys they were hoping in those roles are gone. Yeah. Bodies there. I'm higher on Freddie Swain than I think a lot of this group is. Not that I think he's like the next great thing, but I think there's a path here where he's an upgrade over David Moore. Like it wouldn't totally shock me if if that's the case. I think he he shows some potential as being a pretty uh, polished receiver, but I don't want to just bet on that. Like, that's not that that's that's a very wishful approach to a very important role and so yeah i just rather them i'd rather them you know have a hedge um in there that you at least have some confidence in um you know i don't know maybe they trade all three of their picks maybe they do something totally crazy they trade up maybe they trade all three of their picks and they move up wouldn't that be we need two positions (laughs) <laughs> and they go from the bottom of the second to the top of the second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That would be the stupidest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, we're going to close up shop for the night. Uh, thanks everybody who joined for our emergency pod on all the Seahawks moves. Uh, this has been Real Hawk Talk. Please go ahead and click subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when we go live. Because, like, happened tonight, when things happen, we happen. So. Make sure that you're available uh, and that you're you're getting that. Give us a little thumbs up um, if you haven't already. Love to have your help there. Get get uh, more people part of the community. And speaking of our community, join up at Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger. It's great. Uh, honestly, I'm getting some of my news from our Slack channel now <laughs> because uh, Udid and a bunch of the folks in there are all over it, and so they're just bringing news into the Slack channel. And we're going to do something we haven't yet figured out when, but we're going to start, we're going to try to do a happy hour. Um, we're going to try a little uh, playful thing where we get together. There's some cool, I haven't used the tech yet, but there's some cool tech where you can actually get together in like a uh, little online, um, kind of like Minecraft, but you're not actually in Minecraft. And it is a video, video conferencing thing. So you can walk up to groups of people like in a real world and, and have a conversation with just a group of people instead of everybody. Nathan's going to hold court on, you know, running backs and people will come up and talk to him about it. It'll be great. Um, we're going to do a little happy hour with the, the Patreon community as soon as I can uh, find a few minutes to plan the whole thing. So now is a great time to join patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. 
super affordable to get in and you're obviously supporting great charity and we're getting closer and closer to the point where we get to make our donation this year. So I'm looking forward to, to doing that and announcing that update later. So until then, uh, thank you, Dana, Jeff, Nathan, and everybody else that joined and, uh, we will see you all soon. Go Hawks.